It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat. And Benjamin Solak. How old are you? It's the Kiss and Solak Show. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show. This is episode 12. It is brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my X and O work for InsideThePylon.com. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, I am joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation. And EddieTScouting.com is where you can find his draft work. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, busy day. Lots of news dropping. How you doing, brother? Mike, I am so well. Thank you for asking. And of course, a very happy new year to you, yes. my good friend. Always love the new year. And uh, we are firmly in the legal tampering period. Uh, which is distinguishable by the illegal camping period, by the fact that we actually hear what's going on. Yeah. That was already going on anyway. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very exciting time. Obviously, we're going to be reacting halfway through. We're going to be reacting live. Tons of moves coming down the mountain. It's always fun stuff. Yeah, and this was going to be our New Year's Eve resolution show. One resolution that I have right out of the gate is to not question whether or not how we can get us under the cap without totally gutting this team because – News broke this morning that Lane Johnson has restructured his contract. It saves us seven and a half mil against the cap. So how he wins again, Ben, I think you have the exact details pulled up on that, right? Yeah. So pretty much what you're looking at here, there's a significantly increased cap hit the years 2019, 2020, and 2021 to so the years that are not this year, uh, which is what happens when you restructure. So Lane's contract, when he initially signed it, five-year, $56 million contract, $35 million guaranteed, right? That's an average salary of about $11.2 million. That's an incredibly large contract for the second-best tackle on your team. Obviously, you know, Lane Johnson viewed as the left tackle heir apparent, also the best right tackle in the league, which is fantastic stuff. Now, 
once Lane was suspended for 10 games in 2017 following his second violation of the PED collective bargaining agreement, all of the guarantees in his contract immediately voided. That was something that was built into his contract. I do not know if it's built into everybody's contract. Perhaps it was built into Lane's because Lane already had the one suspension. Uh, but either way, all of the guarantees that Lane had were washed away, which makes him a great candidate for a restructure because when you restructure, what you typically do is you take money that a player would be paid, you know, in 2018, in this year, and you make it guaranteed immediately. You don't, you know, it's not going to be something that's paid at the end. It's not going to be, you know, base salary or roster bonus, whatever. It's going to be guaranteed today. It's a signing bonus. And then what you can do with guaranteed money on the cap in the NFL is you can spread it out down multiple years of the cap. And so that restructure is a 9.5 million dollar restructure. Right. Is given to Lane as a signing bonus. He has four years remaining on his deal. The 9.5 is kind of broken up into four years, which is about 2.3 million per year. And that 2.3 million cap hit now will happen on the next four years of Lane Johnson's deal. So they did add as far as like a, a cap perspective, quote unquote, six million to 2019 in the event that he were cut, which he won't be, four million onto 2020 cap hit if he were cut, which he won't be, right? Essentially, it's just an added two million of dead money per year going down for the next four years. The thing is, money that would have been dead in 2018 when he eventually was on the roster for the season was going to be upwards of 11 million. Right. Now it's less than, now it's essentially going to be 2 million and change. Mm-hmm. We have 7.5 in, in savings. Philadelphia is about $2.5 million over the cap. Cutting Vinnie Curry gets you home. Cutting Brent Selden gets you home. Another restructure would likely get you home. I don't imagine it would be as large. Most players do not have $9 million you can take from one year and make it into a fully guaranteed signing bonus. That's exclusively because the Lane Johnson contract had the the guarantees voided because of his suspension. Everything with Lane's contract gives me pause about his, uh, his suspension history. Lane has to make one more mistake and he's suspended for two years. You know, that's a huge blow to the organization in the event that there's another PED issue. Uh, which actually brings me to my next New Year's resolution, Mike, if I may. Go ahead. New Year's is a time for sharing with, with one another, and it's a time that we uh, we all attempt to grow, we all attempt to learn. So I would like to offer to Bleeding Green Nation and all Philadelphia Eagle fans everywhere my New Year's resolution. I would like to convince all of you that offensive tackle is actually the biggest need for Philadelphia in the upcoming draft, <laughs> and it's not linebacker, regardless of what happens to Nigel Bradham. And now I have attempted, Mike, to... Uh, bring out this stance multiple times we both uh, across have. the the off season so far. Yeah, we both have. Yeah, we were talking about it in the season. Yeah, people don't like it. People don't like it because they think it means that we hate Jason Peters and we think he's terrible. People don't like it because they think that you know we think Big V is not a starter. Which yeah, that one's true, he's but that's not, not important. <laughs> what matters here is this, Mike. Offensive tackle is arguably the second most important position on the field. Mm-hmm. Right, it's either offensive tackle or or edge or defensive end. Right, quarterback being the first, and then probably cornerback is one step below. Now, for Philadelphia, if you're so worried about Carson Wentz and coming back from his ACL and his knee injury, which many many people are, and they don't want to trade Nick Foles for this reason, okay, well then offensive tackle suddenly becomes a shockingly huge priority because we do not want this young man to be pressured. Now, Philadelphia enjoyed on their road to the Super Bowl the best offensive line play in the NFL. And three of their starters, Brandon Brooks, uh, Lane Johnson, and Jason Kelsey, 
all of whom look to be long-term stalwarts at the position. Obviously, they have to start thinking about Jason Kelsey's replacement at some point soon. Young, uh, he's 32, turning 33, so he's on the last legs of his career. And on the left side, Stephen Wisniewski, excellent surprise. Big fan of his. Great performance. If he can put that again, put that out in the field again, 2019, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be another, you got four to the five locked down long-term. Jason Peters, Two years left on his contract. However, it's very likely 36 years old that he will be somebody who the Eagles move on from, if not this season, then next season. Maybe even stays for two seasons. Okay, whatever. Lane Johnson, as I said, one PED away from a two-year suspension. Jason Peters injured his Achilles twice, 36 years old. Two bad stars align, and Philadelphia has no offensive tackle besides a fifth-round pick from 2015. That's very bad. When you have such a dominant offensive line, and you don't have many huge needs along your roster. You just want a Super Bowl. Invest in young players at positions of need. Like Philadelphia didn't desperately need a defensive end last year. But looking two, three years down the road, they saw potentially no Vinny Curry, no Brandon Graham. And they went and got Derek Barnett yep. because that gives you room to make decisions when you need to. Yeah. And you're going to have to do, you do the same thing with offensive tackle this year. And you ensure that you have cheap good rookies at positions of value so that you can handle what, ha- what comes in the cap three to four years. So I, I resolve to fight the good fight. I resolve to stand on the table and, and firmly plant my flag on the OT at 32 Hill. And I, I will bring as many of you with me. That is my first New Year's resolution. I will stand with you, Ben. And I will also resolve to not disparage players that leave the Eagles to go get paid as Trey Burton just did. And we expected this. He goes to the Bears four years, 32 mil is what expect is what is expected of him to sign. Obviously, none of this this free agency stuff is final. It's the tampering period. It's not the signing period. But look, I'm glad for Burton that that's his value. That's what he was able to get. You understand why we couldn't keep him in Philadelphia because of the money that he, we, we had often said that he was going to price himself out of Philadelphia. This is not a surprise whatsoever. The Bears are making some moves because it looks like Allen Robinson is going to be joining him in Chicago as well, which gives Mitch Trubisky some weapons to work with. So you got Burton paired with Adam Shaheen, who they picked up in the second round. And then you've got Robinson joining that receiving core that is getting Kevin White back, who has never been anything, but maybe could be something if he could ever stay healthy, but we're not sure. Either way, you bring in Allen Robinson to shore up that receiving core after they were desperate and were starting, what, they were starting Dontrell Inman as their wide receiver one last year. That's not sustainable. So they help out their young quarterback. For the Eagles, Haloti Nada is expected to sign a one-year deal that is going to be around veteran league minimum. He's going to replace the Bo Allen role, who's likely going to get paid somewhere else. Nada only played five games last year. He had surgery on a torn bicep. Here's another one, Ben, and this goes towards what Bradham might get. Anthony Hitchens might be getting $9 million a year from the Kansas City Chiefs. My God, what does you're Bradham get? You're drunk if you're giving Anthony Hitchens <laughs> $9 million. That you're, you're You're very drunk, yeah. okay, Anthony Hitchens. I resolve not to be that drunk ever. <laughs> He's a $5 million a year player. Nine mil- That's nuts. They must have really been impressed by his performance when Sean Lee wasn't on the field, Mike. I don't know if you heard, Sean Lee doesn't make it to the field very often. Listen, <laughs> we'll start with Trey Burton. Four-year, 32 mil, to, you know, $8 million per year for a guy who's never been a starter is heavy. He played 26% of the snaps last year for us. But that Rams yeah. game, man, that Rams game was super impressive. And boy, did he cash in on that, man. I knew as soon as that game happened, he was gone. It's a matter of, you know, the Eagles developed a good one and he's going to walk. And unfortunately, they're not going to be able to get much for him. 
But you know what? Like, we'll hope he's successful in Chicago. We'll oh, yeah. see. It's a big investment. Chicago, obviously, like you said, has Shaheen, the young tight end out of Ashland they drafted. So they've got the power to go two tight end sets, which is very interesting. We'll say four-year 32 mil rings around a fourth-round comp pick yeah. from what I can see. Uh, as far as, you know, obviously the comp formula, uh, the, the the formula by which the NFL determines which teams get, get which compensatory picks, they get them in the draft because when they have more free agents walk, more high-quality free agents leave than high-quality free agents come in, they receive compensatory picks in the draft. The formula is uh, shrouded in mystery because yeah. it's the NFL, whatever, like, I don't know. But uh, um, you have to imagine Philadelphia's not going to be bringing in any big-name free agents. And so as a result of walking Trey Burton, you could see fourth-rounder, of course, the only, uh, you know, hello, Dinata, we, we talk about the only free agent that I could see now likely for Philadelphia is to hear Whitehead, linebacker, uh, Lions, was a Schwartz product, you know, did play with Jim when he was there, the head coach. Uh, Whitehead is a little bit long in the tooth, of course. He's at the point he's about, or excuse me, he's 28, so he's not too old, uh, coming off of a two-year, $8 million contract with the Lions. The Lions have signed two linebackers. Uh, they've signed Christian Sam. And then I believe they got uh, David Kennard as well. So they've already got two linebackers in the building. Very unlikely they're bringing Whitehead back. Whitehead makes a lot of sense as a guy that could fit in Philadelphia. With Jim Schwartz, has the experience with him. He's going to come cheap. Good replacement for Nigel Bradham. So to hear Whitehead is a name to watch. This though, this conversation does bring me in nicely to my second New Year's resolution, Mike. Uh, New Year's is a time that we help others around us. Those who are less fortunate, uh, we help those who are worse off. And so I resolve... To help the AFC this this season, I, I'm going to dedicate some time to figuring out what to do with the AFC because the AFC is bleeding and the NFC is dominant. Cousins on the Vikings, no matter what you think of Cousins, the, the Vikings have got uh, their franchise quarterback. Quarterback is set. He's a better talent than Case Keenum is. They have all the other pieces. They're very good. Philadelphia Eagles getting Carson Wentz back, returning Super Bowl champions. Uh, they're very good. We have the New Orleans Saints bringing Drew Brees back. That was successful. Another year with with those rookies. The Rams, Sean McVay, second year as the head coach. Obviously, so many trades. Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, they're quite good. Aaron Rodgers is in the division. That's always bad news for everybody else in the division, or in the conference, excuse me. Atlanta Falcons, I still think, are a very good team. Yeah. I think that Atlanta was a second-round playoff team that just, you know, caught the Super Bowl champions. In the, or, excuse me, they made it to the second round because they beat the Rams in the first round. Atlanta, I'm very impressed by that roster. I'm very impressed by that coaching staff. I think as they cycle in more talent, they have to have their offensive coordinator situation figured out, but I would imagine they're going to be a good team. And then all of a sudden, you have Allen Robinson coming from the AFC over to the NFC. You have the Chicago Bears, good rookie quarterback, good young head coach. Right? You have Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFC West. Are you kidding me? With the San Francisco and Seattle. So many good teams in the NFC, Mike. And in the AFC, do we have any reason to believe that the AFC Championship game is going to be anything other than the Patriots hanging another shellacking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, it's the same every year. I can think of maybe one team that's on the rise in the AFC. Who's the team that's on the rise for you in you the AFC? You don't believe with what Case Keenum did to carry that terrible Vikings defense that the Eagles shredded to a championship game can, can, can't can do the same with the Denver Broncos. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but... Do you believe that Keenum makes the Broncos substantially better? I don't I don't think it does anything for them to be honest with you. That's boy have they fallen off. They went all in and gutted themselves after the fact. And that's as far as like yeah. a team coming from are you are, are you asking for like a team that's coming on the rise in the AFC that could be a dominant factor because the Jaguars if they get any kind of competent quarterback play it blows my that's mind. Uh 
rip. That, I don't think the Jaguars are on the rise. I think the Jaguars rose and then had an opportunity this offseason to continue rising, and instead they lost Allen Robinson and re-signed Blake Bortles. Yeah, but they, I mean, they did bring in Andrew Norwell to shore up that line. They were the big winner in, in that free agency part of it, but Blake Bortles is still your quarterback. It limits what you can do, yeah. for for sure. Listen, yeah. yeah. They need to be able to run for 200 yards a game. That's why you bring in Norwell. Keep, <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You bring in Norwell, you run it for 200 yards a game, possess the ball for 38 minutes, and you win every game 13 to 9. Right. That's a fun formula, but it's not <laughs> one that we've seen regularly successful. Ask Mike Malarkey how it went. You know, that's the team for me. The only team that I could see being on the rise with any sort of certainty is the Titans mm. because Mike Malarkey is gone. And yeah. that's still a good roster, good offensive talent. Uh, defense needs some work, but they got the right guy in the building for it, probably with Mike Vrabel. And so we'll see how they're able to draft. But I think that that team immediately gets better by coaching. You could also argue, like, there are some teams that have potential for it. You could talk about the Buffalo Bills, but we don't know who their quarterback's going to be yet. You could talk about the Indianapolis Colts, but we don't know how much Andrew Luck is going to be back, what that's going to look like. So there are teams that could potentially, like, you know, come on, get on the come up. But as of right now, it's, okay, New England is dominant, and then here are the Steelers and the Jaguars trying to beat them, and the other three seeds in the playoffs literally don't matter. Yeah. Versus the NFC, where you're going to have 10 teams in the playoff picture in Week 16. You know what I mean? Can you imagine like, the Jaguars trying to score with the Eagles in the Super Bowl? Right, exactly. You have, I think, the most comfortable division winner in my eyes, and hopefully this is objective, is Philadelphia. Like, that would be the only one I'd be, like, I'd be most comfortable saying right now who's going to win a division in the NFC. NFC North is probably next with the Vikings, right. but with a healthy Aaron Rodgers it changes a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's always going to be a battle in the NFC North. NFC West, are you ready to call San Francisco the favorites? If you are, okay. Obviously, Seattle's been you know kind of regutting and working that roster and everything, but you still have the Rams out there. That's all of a sudden a competitive division. That's weird. Nobody was ready for that. And the NFC South is going to again be three teams jockeying for position, and then maybe Tampa can do something, but. It's going to be an incredibly thick playoff picture. There's going to be so much going on in conference, out of division games. Going to be so important, uh, and the AFC is just going to toil in, you know, mediocrity. Yeah. So I'm going to help the AFC this year, Mike. I'm going to figure out how to fix them. That's my resolution. I'm going to I'm going to resolve not to pay quarterbacks that haven't won a playoff game a fully guaranteed contract. We just brought up the Vikings. Kirk Cousins is expected to sign with the Minnesota Vikings three years, eighty six million dollars. Ben, it's fully guaranteed. Teed. You're telling me the teams are shocking. Paying a quarterback that hasn't won a playoff game $86 million guaranteed money. Oh, by the way, Andy Benoit loves it, so you know it's going to just go down in flames because he's awful. Benoit. <laughs> Andy, Andy Benoit. Benoit. Yes, exactly. The saddest man, the most loneliest man on the planet in Mobile, Alabama during the Senior Bowl. Anyway, Kirk Cousins, $86 million. Ben. Are, are you worried that now players are going to start pushing for more of these types of contracts? Because we have a quarterback to sign soon. Is this foreboding? Are the clouds coming to our location here in Philadelphia in regarding Carson Wentz's contract? What is a fully guaranteed contract like that do to the league? Yeah, dude, this is huge. Yeah. This is It's not as big as we think it is, but it's huge. Because firstly, the, all the reasons by which... NFL teams did not fully guarantee contracts still exist, number one. Number two, the current CBA, which I believe will be renegotiated in 2020, still makes it easy and advantageous for teams 
in regards to negotiating a, a non-fully guaranteed contract. Like, those options still exist. Most contracts we see, I will say all non-quarterback contracts we see will be not fully guaranteed, right? I think this is going to solely exist for quarterbacks because they're just on a different pay scale than everybody right. else. This is the first shoe to drop. Yeah. The second shoe to drop is the Aaron Rodgers contract. And Ooh. the Aaron Rodgers contract will define the trajectory of what this means. Because if the Kirk Cousins contract happens, and then Aaron Rodgers is signed to a $30 million a year contract for four or five years, and he's got, you know, $65 million in guarantees, $70 million in guarantees, and it looks like, you know, a contract that's just bigger than the Kirk Cousins contract would have been if it were a regular-sized contract, then this is a blip on the radar, right? Right. But then if you see Rodgers, and then you see Mariota, and then you see Jameis, if that if those all fall in line, then it's a problem, right? Right, which is right. Rodgers will be the next big extension, and he's going to define the trajectory of what this means. There is no way Kirk Cousins' contract is not mentioned when Carson Wentz and his agent sit down with Harry Roseman oh, at the no end of the 2019 yeah. season. <laughs> right. Like, it, it's this matters. Philadelphia is going to be able to sign Carson Wentz. I, you know, made the, the guess that... that Carson was going to be the, you know, $30 million quarterback. That was before Kirk Cousins is now, you know, on average, like $29 million per year quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Wentz is going to be close to a $35 million peer quarterback, assuming he doesn't get injured again uh, between now and then. If he gets injured a second time, then that number will come down. If it's just the one injury and then he comes back, well, you know, like, let's say, God willing, the Eagles come back Carson Wentz. They win a Super Bowl, you know, this this upcoming season, the next season. Carson Wentz is a Super Bowl champion coming off his rookie deal. You know, teams won it two times. Yeah, it's going to be a $35, $36 million per year quarterback, which is nuts. Fun fact for you, Mike. Kirk Cousins, for every game that he's won against a team that has at least eight wins, he has made $10.5 million. Oh, my God. Yeah, you just galaxy brained the hell out of me just now. <laughs> he has eight wins. His, his overall record. That was visceral. Overall record against teams that ended up with eight plus wins is eight and twenty one. Yeah. He is making eighty six oh, million dollars. What a barf! That's over that's over ten million dollars a win over a team that ended up at at least five hundred. To what me, a... that is the greatest heist of our age. That's <laughs> that's extraordinary. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback in a certain system. If the Vikings run that system, which I fully trust John Filippo to borrow and steal from everything Sean McVay has ever done, uh, then Kirk Cousins will do fine. And he'll be successful in Minnesota, and he'll put up good numbers, and he'll help them win some ball games, And he'll be able to beat many, many more 8-plus win teams than he ever did in Washington because he'll have a lot more help. But get, currently getting paid like a top three quarterback in this league. He's not a top 10 quarterback in this yeah. league, and it's... It's the nature of quarterback contracts, man. You got to do what you can to win a Super Bowl when you can. Definitely. Okay, so that I think that's everything that we have for like the big free agency news. Sammy Watkins goes to the Chiefs as well. They're kind of loaded up there for Patrick Mahomes, but they got gutted on their defense a bit. So I'm not too worried about not too worried about the Walrus over there in Kansas City. Uh, I've got one more resolution for you, Ben. Before we get going, I promise that I will never say the phrases. Is blank the next Dak Prescott? I mean, that has a whole new meaning now after last year. But I, for instance, I won't use the phrase, is Akram Wadley the next Kareem Hunt? Okay, whoever's talking about Akram Wadley, the next <laughs> Kareem Hunt is drunk. I think I can find that one. 
I think I can find that one, Ben. Someone has said that sometime this year, and that's why it's so stupid because every prospect that's not considered a first-round pick, everyone is using these phrases as clickbait. It drives me insane. And and this is another discussion I have, too, as far as like the running backs. The next Kareem Hunt, the top mm-hmm. 10 in every category for running backs is littered with second-round picks, third-round picks, fourth-round picks, fifth-round picks. You can get these backs anywhere. So finding the next Kareem Hunt is really just finding another good back in the second day of the draft, which is entirely common. And that actually brings me to another discussion because, okay, both me and you like Barkley, right? We have him in a top five on our board, right? I really like Geis. I have yeah. him in my top five. I am not taking either of them in the top five. I'm not taking them in the top 10. Right. I'm not taking a running back probably until the teens or late teens. Ben, I had a question. I have a question for you as far as that goes, as far as positional value, because running backs get paid like kickers. Go look it up. That's how the league sees them. And they have a yep. very short shelf life in the league. Ben, where would you consider taking a running back? Probably. It's tough. If he's a an exceptional receiver, the way Barkley is, you can sell him to me top 15. Right. Uh, you got to make sure you get him multiple targets a game because you're simply just not running the ball enough to bring in a running back that early. Yeah. And if you are, then your offensive line matters more than your running back. Six people impact a, a run play, and five of them are on the offensive line. Yep. And the sixth one, who is the sixth guy to make an impact as far as like temporal who's making the first one, second one, the six guys, the running back, you know, all like you go, you watch like, you know, highlight runs for a running back. You see him break an insane amount of tackles and throw guys off and juke guys out. And it's awesome. You go and you watch a team's longest runs and it's usually free path, clear sailing, you know, hit the hole, break, maybe one tackle and go the offensive line. And we saw this in Philadelphia, you know, uh, Philadelphia is deploying three running backs with regularity. All of them are successful. You know, we had games where all of them had at least like 100 all-purpose yards or whatever. And it's because that offensive line was dominant. And so, I don't know. I'm much more likely to spend a top 15 pick on a guard than I'm a running back. Yeah. If that running back can basically be a wide receiver the way that Barkley can, that does muddy things a little bit. Uh, to me, he's not a top 15 guy. Yeah. Live update on the free agent market there, oh, Mike. There we go. No, I mean, it's not really a thing. Carson Wentz literally just tweeted... Nothing besides it just says this league is wild in all caps, <laughs> which are you referring to Trey Burton? Are you referring to? Oh, people are going to take that all different kinds. Oh, of yeah, ways, exactly. Man. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, but I will share. This is actually a good uh, good time to share my last resolution for you, Mike. I resolve to bring up at least once per week the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles won Super Bowl 52. And so far, uh, I've been fine. I've been doing it multiple times. I have enough gear that I can't even possibly go a week without wearing something related to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Super Bowl 52 victory. That being said, I think it's very important, you know, celebrating uh, this first Eagles Super Bowl victory by constantly reminding the people around me that it happened. Yes. Uh, And in a way that uh, some might describe as obnoxious. Perhaps. Maybe braggy. uh, You know, uh, potentially some could say it's a little, you know, presumptuous. Would be Uh, accurate. I personally like to call it just, you know, a consistent reminder of key current events to the people (laughs) around me in case they get called onto a game show or some sort of trivia night where they need to know who the most recent Super Bowl victor is, who the MVP is, uh, what the final score was. I'll be able to remind them of all of these things. Like I said, New Year's is a time where we're kind to the people around us. So my service to everybody will be to make sure that they remember uh, the greatest Super Bowl victory of all time, Uh, (laughs) arguably. 
by some. Uh, so yeah, I am going to consistently talk about the Super Bowl victory for the rest of my life, obviously. But for the first year, uh, you know, this uh, the year that the Eagles are the Super Bowl champions, you know, until they're two-time Super Bowl champions, whatever. Just for this year, first-time Super Bowl champions, I will be sure that I'll, I'll have a little reminder on my phone every week, walk up to somebody, talk about the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, be an a-hole about it, check. I like it. I like it. So happy... New football year to you, Ben. Uh, one of my real life New Year's resolutions, actually my only one this year, is that I promised my wife I would stop getting in bar fights. It is now March, and I haven't gotten in any bar fights, Ben. I'm on Mike, a run. I'm so, so proud of you, buddy. This is so great. Not fighting random strangers at bars. This is so important. It's awesome. Ben, it's beautiful. So we covered the first wave here. Obviously, by the time this drops, there's going to be some more news coming. But I feel like we did a good job at least taking care of this chunk. What else do we have for the gentle, gentle listeners? Howdy there, gentle listeners. Uh, this is likely the last time you'll be hearing my voice for a little bit. Terrible no. shame, I'm sure. If there's big news, uh, you know, I'll be able to call in or say hi or something. But I will be heading out onto the road. I'll be heading into Mexico next week for a mission trip. Very, very excited about that. But I am sad that I will not be able to be with you here to ring in the new year as it officially comes through. Do not worry. Mike has multiple guests lined up on deck for you. We got some of the guys from Locked on NFL Draft. John Ledger could potentially be coming in. We have, who else do we have coming in, Mike? Brandon Thorne, potentially, of Inside the Pylon and Bleacher Report coming right. in. Trevor Sikama from Pewter Report. And then uh, I talked with uh, Dane Brugler, who I love. And uh, we're going to be able to bring him on early April. So you're going to get to be here and talk with uh, Dane, which is cool. But I'm working on some other people oh, as well. Dane. Great guy, Dane. So that's a ton of NFL draft-related coverage. Those are guys who have a long-term NFL draft look. It's team agnostic, and so you're able to bring them in, talk about different teams, different fits, different players, wonderful stuff. So that's the guest slate for you guys. Hopefully you're excited. We're bringing in those uh, you know, unique names and those different perspectives that you don't necessarily get from pure Eagles coverage, and that gives you a good look at, at the NFL draft. Of course, reacting to free agency as it all happens. Those storylines will all be addressed here on the Kist and Solak Show. As always, we do appreciate you listening to the Kist and Solak Show. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. That's Michael Kist NFL on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Thank you so much for stopping by. Happy New Year to you all. We all we got, we all we need, Fly Eagles Fly. <laughs>